When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guy, don't go, Carl. Be careful. Remember, we're not we're not addressing us on this podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast, episode eighty-two. My name is Daniel Tulip. I'm Double H. Hi, I'm Carl Anker, and I'd like to introduce you to the head honcho of the fantastic specialist football website, uh, football.london. He's the big Charlie Bananas there. It's uh, Mr. Greg Johnson. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for coming on, Greg. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me on. You guys can follow us on Twitter. You guys can follow us on Instagram, Facebook. If you're listening on SoundCloud, follow on SoundCloud. We have like however many hundred followers on SoundCloud, so shout out to you guys. Uh, Leave some Apple Podcast reviews. We'll read those if they're five stars only. I'm at Dandy to look. Calls at Anchorman six one six. Half Hope is at Half Hope Hut. Greg, before we get started, where can the people find you on Twitter? I'm on a Greg Ian Johnson on Twitter. All one word. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the same on Facebook as well. But um, also check out football underscore LDN. That's the football London Twitter account. Do whatever you can, everything you can to find us and like us and follow us because we're great. With that being said, now Carl, you can take it away. Uh, there's only one place we could begin with this weekend's football. And if you allow me to do my very best WWE Michael Cole impression. A third and five! One, two, three! Manchester City streak is over. Gentlemen, the City have lost. Gods do bleed. In terms of games that were more thrilling than that this season, you've got Arsenal, Liverpool 3 0, the United Arsenal 3 1, and the 4 3 Arsenal Leicester. So this is the most thrilling non-Arsenal football game of the Premier League this season, in my opinion. Uh, so to carry on with the recent thing we've been doing, where we try and make uh, overblown uh, conclusions and assessments and predictions based on one small event, I'm going to make a little prediction based on the 4-3 game, and that is Liverpool will be uh, challenging for the title next season. Ha! Correct me if I'm wrong, weren't Liverpool winning the game 4-1? They were. What was the what was the M score at the end? Four three. Yep. And if Aguero's header had been a few inches to the left, it would have been four all. No, so it was offside. So do, doesn't doesn't matter. The whole point is, as good as Liverpool are going forward, Klopp is garbage defensively. Defensively, Liverpool are a disgrace, and defensively, they 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 do not have a clue because Klopp still thinks Lovren is a second coming. Lovren is a crap defender. Clavin is a garbage defender. Minile is a great shortstopper, not a great keeper. Karras is from Siberia. So because of these things, <laughs> that's the reason why Liverpool, I'm sorry, under Klopp, and if Klopp will be, continue to be stubborn by not preaching defence, they ain't winning no, no, no title. It's going to be either Man City, Man United, or if Chelsea get their act together, Arsenal will be fighting for relegation next season. So I'm not saying they're going to win the Premier League next season. I'm saying they're going to put together a very good title challenge. Uh, so as I was going to say, Klopp has a particularly good record against the top six. Uh, there was a really interesting moment after Firmino scored against City, where in amongst the celebration, Klopp is screaming at Emma Chan, attack again, attack again. 
which brought the uh, attempt, the post from Sadio Mane, and then the third goal, and the, and the fourth goal. So Klopp is really good at basically scattering top-tier teams. Obviously, the 4-1 defeat against Spurs this season is the outlier of that. But since that loss, Liverpool put together a very good, consistent amount of results. And I think if you look at the players that he's brought in, he's managed to improve them. They seem to have figured out the left-back situation with Robertson. They've got Nathaniel Klein to come back. Do they have it's Nathaniel almost... Klein to come back? Isn't he allegedly on that white? Whoa! Uh, <laughs> cocaine? <laughs> you said cocaine. I, said I cocaine. saw. I saw. I saw tweets that affected the parody account. But I think, I think if you're if you're gonna make a football side to to challenge Manchester City next season, you're gonna want a side that can play free flowing football that doesn't shy away from the big games. And if you look at the teams that are best equipped to do that. Liverpool's probably candidate one, candidate two. Greg, what do you think? I think mean, I think mean Spurs. You can never never discount Spurs. But no, I'm, I'm I'm into the idea of Liverpool being being up there because I mean the other the natural rebuttal is yeah, but Afcon. But next year Afcon's not until June, so that's not going to affect them mid season like it did. And Sadio Mane got taken off last season, so yeah, I think I think they'll be all right. I think uh, you're right. They've got the money to go out there and buy more players to sort out their problems. I think they haven't just got Robertson at left back now either. They've got uh oh, I've lost my mind completely, lost my mind. Um, but they've got, they've got players coming through. Yes, Gomez. Gomez is fantastic. I think Gomez could even be a centre back. Like, he's so good on one on ones, and with Jurgen Klopp's football, it's the same at Dortmund. What you need is at centre back two players that can just dominate the one on ones. Doesn't matter whether one's like the sitting guy, one's the stopper guy. They've both got to be great in those one on one situations. So it doesn't matter who you put in midfield. The aggression of how Klopp plays, the attacking aggression, means you're always going to leave your defenders open once, twice, three times a game. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen all the time because they, they work hard just about cover for it. But when you catch Liverpool out, it's these defenders. And if they're not good enough, like Lovren, when, you know, he's, when he doesn't have a good game, you can just breeze past him. I'm a massive fan of Matip. And for me, Matip and Van Dijk together, that, that's a partnership that, that could weather kind of clock football. But they, they've still got to get a bit more going on. But they're getting Naby Keita as well, who I, I'm a massive yeah. fan of. So... Mm. I'm, I'm with Carl on this one. Yeah, I, I would put them as title challenges. I still don't. For me, like, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about Liverpool and their chances, but I, don't, I still feel that I don't see a title-winning team there. I see a team almost similar to what Brendan Rodgers did, where very exciting, who do great against the top six, but they'll, they'll start up being what title challenges, then they'll fade off. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see them being sustained title challenges throughout the season. So by the time like March rolls through, they'll fall away. You know, they'll begin to fall away. Then they'll be inside third, fourth. And Tottenham, sorry, man. I told you, Hurricane is going to be leaving Tottenham very soon because I don't know how long Daniel Levy wants to keep underpaying guys who don't win any trophies. That model doesn't make any sense. I don't, on, on Kane, I don't see it. I think, I think Deli Ali will leave. I think Christian Eriksen could even leave. I think Danny Rose will leave. I think Harry Kane, they will... They will throw everything at keeping him. And I think he's so obsessed with Shearer's record. I don't think he'll go to Spain. The only, the only clubs that could sign him are like United City. I don't see him coming in from him anytime okay, soon. Okay, so Greg, let me ask you this though. Are you telling me that Harry Kane is more concerned with Shearer's record than winning trophies with Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern? Well, he's not going to go Barcelona, I don't think, because I don't think he'd necessarily fit what they do. No, 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 no sorry. I, I said Bayern or Real. No, no, no. I was, I was going through them. I was going through them. Okay. Yeah, Bayern, I've said for ages, I think he's, he's like England's Lewandowski. He's got the whole skill set. He'd be great for Real Madrid, but, you know, 
you, you win titles in one one area, you don't with the other with Real Madrid. I, I, I don't think Spurs are as far off winning trophies as people seem to think. I, they're just you give them another another rotation with Poch, I think they'll get there. I really do. They've, they've got probably even better players coming up through the youth system, which no one's even seen yet. I think you just got to give them time; it'll come together. And I think Kane will give them enough time. If we're talking like in four years' time, he's still not won anything. That's different. I mean, he's still young. He's what twenty four, twenty five. Might have to get Alexa out and check. So he's Siri. Siri, get Siri out and check. <laughs> I think um, I think Kane will give him enough time to you know do him justice. And if he doesn't get that in maybe three, four years' time, we'll talk then. But I can't see Kane going this summer or next. No way. Okay, and also, okay, my thing now. This is sort of like what I was saying to people. Can we all agree that Coutinho really wasn't that much of a miss for Liverpool and it was overblown how much of a hole he would leave for Liverpool? So I want I want I want an apology from all of you. Because I was I was the guy that said that Coutinho is is not as great as people say Coutinho is overrated, Carl, overrated and he's just not the he isn't Liverpool's best player. He never was. That was that was a false narrative. Could it be that he wasn't their best player? I mean, I'm, I'm sure people conflate most important and best all the time. Yeah. Um, you could make an argument in terms of the attacking football that Liverpool played that Coutinho was probably one of the most important pieces because he could play in the front three and the middle three. Whereas, one of. Whereas Mane can't really do that. Salah can't really do that. Wijnaldum, Lalana, th- those players can't really do that. So his versatility made him important for the way they wanted to attack. Whether that means he's the best player, I think most people now would definitely say Salah or Mane, but I don't think you can understate his importance. He was in, he was one of the most important pieces for Liverpool, but when I heard people's reactions when he left, it's like, oh my God, Coutinho's gone, our best player, what are we going to do? We've crumbled, we've sold our best players. Like, guys, chill. <laughs> Last I checked, Sadio Mane still plays for you. Last I checked, Salah has probably been one of the most prolific players and goal scorers in Europe this season. I was like, relax, you know? And look at how Liverpool play against Man City. And it just seems as if nothing really has changed because Firmino, Wijnaldum, Mane, Salah, they all are on the same footballing wavelength. And they and they all interchange and know what kinds of runs to make that they really haven't missed a step with Coutinho not being there. They've got Kaita coming in as well. He's yep. just going to be, oh, oh, oh. I can't think of an even even more perfect Jurgen Klopp player. He, he's literally got everything. He, he's 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 fantastic. I'm hyping up big time now. So if he fails, then you know, shame on me. But I I, I rate him massively. I no, 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 no. I mean, like football. the only thing I'll say, Greg, though, is that I mean, if he can put away his red cards, that is the only hindrance to him because he's easily better than Henderson in every single department, yeah. including pulling rabbits out of their hats. But if he could just get his red cards away from his game. Improve his disciplinary. Nabiketa is going to be an excellent addition for Liverpool. Excellent. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. I have a question, and maybe one of you guys can answer this. I don't know. Is because I haven't watched enough of him, so I'm assuming by your glowing reviews of him, you have. Is Nabiketa a regulator in midfield? Meaning, when Liverpool are up four-one, is he a person to be like, guys, we need to slow this down. We need to, you know, take what we have. It's four-one. Let's not play. Wild Wild West cowboy football is that in his nature to kind of calm things down, or is he Mm-mm. more of a, an attacking? Let's go press. Let's get the fifth. Uh, attacking, definitely yeah. attacking. But he he can do defensive work as well, but he's um he's somewhere between Lallana and Coutinho for me, with a bit more a bit more drive to him as well. He's mm. he's not a, he's not a deep lying guy. 
so that's that's how that's my issue with Liverpool is I don't think they have someone in midfield who's smart enough to be like guys we just need to sit on the ball and take what we have that that's why I don't think they're going to do well in Europe like that's they'll, the problem. They'll, they'll go up four goals and then they'll concede three it happened yep. with it, it happened with Arsenal like this is in uh, Liverpool's DNA and I I can't trust them and I think part of that stems from midfield so if Kade is not going to help them regulate midfield and he's just going to go like oh we're up three goals let's go up four instead of let's sit on what we have and kind of consolidate I, I can't go with Carl and say that they're going to be some title contender because I can't trust a team that can't. No, no, no. So that's it's not happening. It's not happening. No, it's not happening. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> they're great to watch. Don't get me wrong. And their attacking football deserves a trophy. Yeah, if you want 100%. to put it like that. But their overall team play, <sighs> no, it, it, it worries nope. me. We were talking earlier about conflating best of most important, and now we're conflating title challenges with title winners. Like, I don't think Carl said that Liverpool are going to win the title. And then there was a comparison with Brendan Rodgers Liverpool, That's fair, who yeah. were title challengers and finished second, didn't they? Like, so if we're going to say they're going to be like Brendan Rodgers' title challengers, they're going to be title challengers. Uh, and my rebuttal to the fact that you don't have a regulator, they regulate. He's German and he's out of a contract. Well, Emery yeah. Chan, Emery Chan, what? And Emery Chan is Listen. some it's some world class midfield regulator. He's gonna, he's Excuse me, like what? Modric or Carl? Are you smoking? <laughs> In yes, though. Listen to me. <laughs> yes, the, yes. The Liverpool game, the Liverpool game yesterday was superb. Uh, Emma Chan was your regulator, who was superb. He pretty much locked down. Well, don't lock down Kevin De Bruyne, but he did his best to nullify Kevin, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, and if you really want to look at why Liverpool were four one up and then suddenly were four three up, you look at the 79th minute where Emma Chan, who had been set up by illness, had to be substituted off and they brought on James Milner. There's your problem. Liverpool do have a regulator. The problem is he's not quite fast enough. And uh, yeah, the centre-backs in the one-on-ones aren't quite good enough. You're going to get your centre-backs sorted in the one-on-ones when, Van, when you get Virgil van Dijk and Joel Matip. But if Emma Chan goes, then you need to get another person in. Maybe Kate can do the job. Maybe not. You need, they, need, they do need to get another DM. But yeah, I mean, Liverpool have got money. They do have money now. Um, thoughts on Liverpool City from a City perspective? Was it mostly down to individual mistakes? Or Pep failing to adapt better to the high press. Fatigue and and Klopp knows Pep, but fatigue, fatigue, fatigue. Pep, man, you're you're gonna run these guys to to the ground. Those City players, I don't know whether you guys agree. Those guys looked tired to me. Hmm. Uh, another question about the game: Should Liverpool be doing better than just fighting for a top four? Liverpool are a very good side who have who are ahead of schedule. Like I said this last season. Uh, Liverpool last season Liverpool would should would and should have been happier if finishing the top four. What instead happened is they looked like they were going to finish. They looked like they were going to put together a title challenge and then Mane had to go. Uh, and then we got frustrated because they started really well and fell away. And now this season they didn't start very well and they're climbing up the rankings. Like Liverpool are on schedule. They've got where are they in their wage bill? Probably, probably fourth. Yeah, they're fourth in yeah, they're fourth highest in wages and they're essentially in fourth place in the league. So they're, they're exactly on schedule. Um, wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute. Spurs are fifth. Then where's Arsenal? Because I would assume Arsenal. United City and Chelsea have the top three. Huh. Danny, I saw what you, what you did there. We are not discussing Arsenal, so don't try and squeeze <laughs> Arsenal into this podcast. Yeah, I know you're a you're, you're fixed. Okay, look, man, we, we have the same skin tone. Okay, I understand how you think. So please, don't, don't, don't try and be slick. Liverpool, Liverpool, uh, doing, Liverpool are doing very well and they're only going to get better. And I'm really excited to see 
what happens in this Klopp project. Klopp said if he does his entire career only managing at Mainz, Dortmund and Liverpool, he'd be happy. And I think this could be the beginning of a very interesting, I don't use the term dynasty because I don't know how many trophies, but a very interesting spell. One, one last Liverpool question. Uh, where does Roberto Firmino rank among Premier League forwards? And that's from Alex Bird. I'd, I'd say when it comes to playing like the false nine role, as everyone keeps calling it, I, I don't think there's been better than him since Messi did it, really. He's, he's ridiculous. Like He is so good at what he does. Like, Excuse me? What? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's not been a better false nine <laughs> in Europe than Roberto Firmino. Yeah, I'll, I'll completely go with that. Have you got a rebuttal Since Messi? Or? Yeah. He was a better false nine. false nine anymore. Come on, who's a better false nine? Um, look, you can name anybody. I'll put Sanchez there. I'll put Pedro no. there when he was at Barcelona. I'll put Bloody Hazard there. Guys, no, guys, no, no. Bobby Firmino is good, but you're saying that he's the best false nine since Messi? Sorry, I can't, I can't co-sign that statement. I mean, at least let me check. Give me give me like a night to sleep on his but There's no way in hell I'm co-signing a statement that Roberto Firmino is the best false nine Firmino and Messi should never be in the same sentence. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, I'm sorry. I can't I mean, co-sign that statement. I can't. Okay, we're, we're conflating things. So, um, in the same way we're saying title challenge, title winners, I'm not saying he's as good as Messi. I'm I know. anything like that. That, that, would be, that would be an absurd thing to say. I'm saying the specific role that he plays with his team, he does it far better than anyone I've seen since since Messi. Even when like Rooney was doing it some weird way for Man United. But Eden Hazard doesn't play false nine for Chelsea in the same way that Firmino does. Liverpool. Firmino does a very specific role. And we're talking earlier about who's the best or most important. Firmino isn't the best player for Liverpool, but for me, I think he's the most important. Because the way he creates space, the way he hmm. pulls back, the way he, he, he kind of pulls centre-backs out of position for the wide forwards to come in and just attack it. No one else in Europe does that as well. I mean, Dries Mertens was very good, but I don't think he played it with the same kind of defensive side of it that Firmino does. The way that he can harry and press people. Firmino is... is Honestly, I've, if you're going to pick, like, a, a, if you were to make a false nine team or something, and you want to pick one guy to come in and play that role, I'd, I'd, I would pick him. Like, he, I think he is the best in the world at it right now. Jesus. You've given him glowing praise. So, where is he ranking in the forwards then? Like, you have Harry Kane, you have, uh, I mean, the, the the three that got signed. I mean, they're all kind of in dreadful moments at the moment. Like Lukaku, Morata, Lacazette, <laughs> Lukaku. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're not they're not firing. So <laughs> where does Firmino rank kind of in that group? You have Aguero, obviously. Jesus is, might be in that conversation. It said forwards. It didn't say strikers. So I guess you does that include guys like Salah and Mane? Yeah, that, that if we're saying forwards, then blimey, that that opens it right up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do do we do we want to be do we want to define the question more? Are we talking about centre forwards? Are we talking about strikers? Are we talking about all forwards? What, what are we going to do? Because we got to pick we got to pick what we're talking about first. Let's say centre forwards. I think Kane's got to be number one, hasn't he? Yeah. And then after that, in, in terms of form, it gets different. But I'd say on terms of class, because, you know, Lukaku's been doing it for years, even if he's not in the best moment right now. I'd say Lukaku's a better striker than Firmino, but he doesn't do for his team what Firmino does to Liverpool. So I, I think Firmino's top five. Yeah, yeah. But he, he has to be. He's the main striker for a top four club, hasn't he? So right. I think by, almost by default, because he is, he is impressing there. He's not doing it just because. Yeah, he's got to be top five at least. But the, I mean... It's just, it's just. I wouldn't do it on form because Morata is better than he's showing as well. I think Gabriel Jesus is better than Firmino as well, um, and he does quite a lot of the things that Firmino does. But yeah, I, let's say top five. It, it gets really hard when you start like trying to say is he over five or four. Firmino versus Jesus is an interesting one. Um, now there's a group of questions here. 
that are going to lead to a, a big question. So if you'll allow me to, to kind of say these, um, and then we can talk about the general cityness of this. Are people overreacting to City's first league loss this season and first since last April? And how would Gabriel Jesus have changed the game considering Aguero dropped a solid zero out of 10? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was from Mason Boris. This is from Football Regista. He says, looks like Have Hope got another prediction wrong, claiming just last week City were 100% going to go and be in. They'll still win the league, but I think it'll be by seven or eight points. Um, <laughs> odds first says, oh, is, no, Half no, Hope, no, no. is Half Hope going to put himself in the Brick Academy for saying City will go and be in? <laughs> And lastly, and lastly, this is from at Ebony F. Prince. Um, is there any place in this world for a horse academy? I feel there's too much negativity in football, even though I'm a huge fan of the Brick Academy. So basically, are people overreacting to City's loss? And have hope, do you feel any type of way for predicting them going invincible and uh, they've lost? Um, okay, can I please defend my, myself? Because I think I've been... Uh, I think you a lot need of to slander. defend your school. Firstly, oh no, no, I fully, I fully defend it. If you're, if you're crap, you're going to the Brick Academy. That's not, that's not changing. But my thing about City is this: is that this was always going to be their toughest game, and if the players were not that tired, they would not played in the AFL Cup or the FA Cup. And Jesus was playing. I believe this match is a draw. They played badly. They were completely outplayed, and it was still four three. Think about it. Liverpool completely dominated them. City looks possibly the most sluggish I've seen them all season, and they still only lost 4-3. So by logic, if Jesus was us playing and they played better, it would have probably been a, a, a draw. It's a lot of ifs. That's a lot of ifs. Look, I mean, but if, if you think about it, come on, it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> if, if, if Jesus starts... <laughs> no, but it's a struggle, guys, come on, it's true. If Jesus starts... And One. City are not as sluggish as the way. And what's it? Guardiola doesn't play them in FA Cup. FA Cup. It's a draw. <laughs> Guys, they only lost four three, and, and and they were outplayed. They were outplayed, and they only lost four three. You aware of Ian Holloway? Yes, funny guy. Really good championship manager. Uh, he once said, "If is the longest word in the dictionary." So that's where I stand on any analysis that goes. No, it's not. It's 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 only it's only two two letters. I wouldn't say this is an overreaction to the fact that you lost. I mean, we do this every time a team goes on a long winning streak and they lose a game. We're here this time last season where Chelsea looked like they were going to set the record for most consecutive wins and they lost to Tom Hotspur. And I said the exact same thing about God's bleeding. I think they wanted to win the Premier League and then possibly be a, uh, a semi-finals for the Champions League. I think it says a lot about us as uh, football fans and it says a lot about what Pep has done in this season, that there was a communal enjoyment of the fact that he lost. It wasn't just <laughs> Liverpool fans who were happy. There were Chelsea fans who were happy. There were United fans who were happy. Arsenal fans were delirious, despite the fact they'd lost to Bournemouth or like a couple of hours earlier, because they were like, yeah, we're still the only uh, invincible team. Like this, this was like a real everyone in the Premier League against Manchester City, which only serves to show how much of a Goliath Manchester City have become this season. Do you guys know uh, in... in, in uh... In the NFL, there was a team, I think, in 1972, I think. I think it was the Miami Dolphins in 1972. That went 18 Not 18. They went 14-0 or 16-0, oh. I think. They were the only team to go unbeaten over the whole season. And when every team in the NFL loses a game, all the players who are left from that team get together and they're like, pop champagne. 
and they have a drink because nobody's gone unbeaten since like 1972. Arsenal should probably start doing that. Like the once every team loses, they should like pop champagne and have a celebration, even if they lose well, the Bournemouth. The joke is every time a team that is about to go unbeaten loses, Vendor renews his contract by another six months. <laughs> <laughs> Guy, don't go, uh, Kyle. Be careful. Remember, we're not we're not addressing Arsenal on this podcast. Please, that's, please. As, much, that's as much Arsenal as I'm, gonna, I'm happy to address. There's there's one more question that I think maybe ties into a topic that we probably need to touch on. Carl, this is directed to you from Keegan B. What does a potential Sanchez transfer mean for Martial and Rashford? And does this mean Mourinho won't go for Griezmann any longer? I think the Griezmann deal was dead in the water the moment Madrid Atletico had the transfer ban. The potential Sanchez signing, I think, means less for Martial. I think Martial now probably has that left side on lock. If you, you know, as a recording, this Martial has apparently scored a fantastic goal against Stoke. So I think the front three for United going forward will be Lukaku up top, Martial on the left, and then Alexis Sanchez on the right, which is pretty tasty. And then you have whatever number ten you want, be it Juan Mata or now, you know, Jesse Lingard apparently plays there now. I think that would be particularly interesting. I think the person who's going to be impacted most by the potential Sanchez signing is Marcus Rashford. Rashford, I think his minutes will go down, but I think if Rashford does start playing, he's going to start playing through the middle a lot more rather than in wide positions because I think now, you know, Rashford isn't as good as Martial out wide. He's not going to be as good as Sanchez out wide. So I think if you're if you're Marcus Rashford and you have a bit of hutspot, you go to Mourinho's office and go, hey, uh, I'd like to stay here and not go out alone anymore, but I'd also don't mind being a number two striker, giving me the responsibility I'll do it. I'm excited. I don't particularly believe we need Alexis Sanchez. I think 29, signing a 29-year-old on exorbitant wages when we have weaknesses at fullback and centre midfield is a bit foolish. But at the same time, as someone explained to me, Alexis Sanchez is the sort of macho, run-through brick walls type, I can pull a, mag- uh, a rabbit out of a hat type of player that Mourinho really, really enjoys. So it's going to be fun watching those two potentially work together. I'm going to enjoy uh, watching Sanchez number seven as a shirt. By <laughs> Especially because it was number seven for Arsenal. They you guys it. don't have a number seven right now? Nope, it's been Who was your last one? Was your last one, Depay? Memphis. We call him Memphis. And he was indeed our last number seven. Still the greatest number seven of United is Jerry Cantona. That's, that's a dude with blonde hair was trash and overrated. Greg, take it away. <laughs> oh, on what? On that or on Sanchez? Um, no, on Sanchez, um, if, if any signing is going to sum up the Jose Mourinho era at Man United, it's going to be signing Alexi Sanchez because partly it's been done to kind of get one over on Pepper Man City. That ticks a box. Um, he's old um, and he's massively self-absorbed, self-obsessed, um, but he's also an incredible footballer. So that ticks a few more boxes. Um, I, I, I think Man United are a team with too many soloists and not enough plumbing going on and he's another soloist who needs to be accommodated rather than a plumber who's going to fiddle is he going to fit in the team he's going to have to play out on the right he's not exactly maybe that's not his best position we'll have to wait and see um, that's like a massive pessimist he's a fantastic footballer um, but I just I think we have to wait and see what's going on but a bit of news while we're on the pod from my uh, my colleagues at um, the MEN Manchester Evening News and um, from the Mirror as well um, so apparently City have completely pulled the plug on Sanchez now. They're not interested. They walked away. But Chelsea have entered the fray and are interested in making a bid to push the uh, the actual cash involved 
over 35 million. So it could become a bidding war. But United are apparently going to throw a player in and it's going to, their package is going to be worth about 60 million. So we'll have to see. Apparently it's going to be Mickey Mintarian, but who knows? That is sweet. I think you've forgotten a ticked box. Mourinho's going to take a player from Wenger. (laughs) That ticks a major box. And I know we're trying to avoid talking about Arsenal. But I do remember that after Wenger and Arsenal sold Van Persie to Manchester United for like 20 million or some stupid, ridiculous price like that, um, that Wenger said he was never going to sell a player to Manchester United again. He he refused to sell Debussy. And here we are. (laughs) Debussy was all set to join Van Hall, and Wenger went, oh, we're not selling to them. I'm so glad that experiment is over. My goodness. (laughs) United, they do need San Sanchez because... United do not have a natural attacking winger. Rashford is a striker. Martial is a striker. Lukaku, I don't know what he, he does for a living. But so that's so the really the only guy that they don't really have is a natural attacking winger. So Sanchez is a natural attacking winger. He's not what? nah. Nah. So no. so what is he? What is he? He cuts inside all the time. He's another forward. For modern football now, when I say like natural attacking wingers. The concept of a winger is pretty much dead because for for some reason people don't want to cross the ball uh, anymore, like like again, the like 90s. Point, realizing he's wrong and now backpedaling. No, 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 no. Well, one thing, one thing I would say on the idea that the winger being dead. Mourinho doesn't think the winger's dead. In the summer, he wanted to sign Ivan Perisic, and obviously, as, as I mean, Carl took on it. Ivan Perisic has kind of become like this golden goose for a lot of like Mourinho fans. Um, Every time United fail or don't do very well, they go, oh, well, we didn't defend very well today because we didn't sign Ivan Perisic in the summer. He's kind of become this kind of cure-all that does, you know, if, if United would have signed Perisic, according to some people, they would now be running away with the league title by 30 points. Okay, 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 wait, 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 guys, let me ask you this question then. What position does, what, what position would you define for Aaron Robin? Well, he plays on the right and he cuts his side, so he plays on the right. I mean, I, mean, I mean, but what would you call his position? Like, forward, winger, striker? I mean, what would you define his position as? I'd say he's a forward more than a winger. I can't believe you managed to fit in a Robin reference already. <laughs> look, 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 Robin is my guy. But he's, he's an attacking winger. He's an oh, attacking yeah. winger. Just because you play in a wide position doesn't mean you're a winger. A winger's primary, primary job is to cross the ball, not to cut inside and shoot. And if you give Alexis Sanchez the think- ball... He's going to dribble, cut you short. Wait a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa! Okay, if you play on the wing, you're not a winger. No, not Damn. necessarily no. But you, but you're on the wing. <laughs> no, not me. Because I I, okay, look, fine, fine. But you you right. don't stay there. You cut inside and go to the penny box, and you score worldies. Like that's that's not playing but, on the wing. But your position starts out on the wing. Even if you're cutting inside, the position in which you're starting from is out on the wing. In the games I see, Sanchez is out wide, winger, wide man, whatever. He is outward. Even whether you're cutting or not, he's outward. And what Marshall and Rashford are doing, I can see that these guys are not comfortable in that position. Even if Marshall is cutting in on the inside, he's just not comfortable playing out there. Sanchez is comfortable playing out there. Sanchez is comfortable and knows how to cut inside and be effective. Marshall doesn't know how to cut inside and be effective as much as he can be in the middle. The problem Manchester United have is they have too many players who, rather than cross the ball and give Lukaku the crosses and supply he needs to score, they're cutting inside and trying to dribble and see what happens. United, this is why some United fans keep pointing to Perisic as he'd be a lot better yeah. if they had Perisic. The best orthodox, I'm going to stay out wide player Manchester United have are Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia. And they're both wing, they're both old-fashioned wingers who stopped being good around about seven years ago. 
I mean, one thing I would say, like, focus on cross is probably a bit of a mis- misnomer for me. I think for me, it's width. Width is what mm-hmm. you want to get from, from a proper winger. Now, that's why I say Sanchez doesn't provide that and neither does Martial, whatever. But to be fair to Mourinho and to be fair to a lot of football teams, you're getting the width now from the, the fullbacks, especially when you've got guys that are former wingers like Young and like Valencia, because they will bomb on, which should allow you to have more narrow kind of wide guys who kind of come inside and play in the kind of half space, whatever you want to call it. I can kind of say that, but United clearly do lack that. Because like, there's definitely, they, they, they lack someone to pull teams apart in the final third. How many times have you seen United just queue up all their players in the middle of the park? And unless they play on the break, there just doesn't seem to be any space to do anything. They need guys to, to, to physically like, make the pitch feel wider. And that's what they don't have at the moment. And I can't see Alexis Sanchez doing that. Thank you. 19 points. <laughs> 19. 19. How? Can I, can I suggest so, so, so something? Real Madrid should donate a portion of their wage to charity. Or me, or myself. I'll give them my bank account. But I think players who are paid that much and you're 19 points behind, that's embarrassing. And you should donate a portion of your wage to charity. 100%. Are we seeing the end of Ronaldo here? Don't tempt fate. Yes, Cristiano has been trash. He's only scored four goals so far in La Liga. I've seen this narrative before. Champions League, this guy could just go crazy in the Champions League. So that's what I'm saying. It could very much be a case where PSG, man, I'm I'm warning PSG fans, man, Christian just couldn't go in the chance league and just just drop it. Two two hat tricks in either leg. Do you know that Loic Remy has more goals in La Liga than Cristiano Ronaldo? He plays for Las Palmas on an island. Damn. And he has more goals. Five. The interesting thing about Ronaldo is he's not necessarily doing anything wrong. He's still making the great runs he used to. He's still doing that hang around far post and trying to get headers that he does. He's still taking he's taking a lot of shots from a lot of good positions and he's striking the ball in really good ways. It's just there seems to be a glitch in his shooting, or in in they're not going in. It's quite similar to uh, stop making excuses a, for him. Stop making excuses there was for a phase him. Phase in the early two thousands where Anna Kornikova had a glitch in a second serve, and no one could figure out what happened. Just the second <laughs> serve. Just Anna Kornikova. What? I mean, I, I, I thought I, I thought you said someone like like a Serena or like a um, what was it called, Andrea Agassi's wife or like Lindsay Davenport. Anna Kornikova. Steffi Graf. <laughs> Anna Konikova? You know, I used to play tennis as a kid. It was a very noticeable thing in the tennis world when she developed the glitch. Yeah, he's got a glitch in the shoe. So he is he's going to be overdue a hatful of goals very soon. What like, if it's too late? Gonna... Like, what if he's too old at this point? Well, this is the thing. Well, the thing about Ronaldo that makes me very cautious to write him off is much like other sporting contemporaries like LeBron James. It's, he's a physical freak. He spends a lot of time in the gym looking after himself so even when he progresses a little bit in one way he tends to spend more time in the gym or on the pitch figuring out another way to to make up for that like I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if next season he goes oh I can't really dribble past people I can't really sprint past people so now I'm just going to work on being a just incredible near post striker because we know he can master the far post and it's him master the near post like the way Ronaldo looks at his game and looks at how he can improve potential weaknesses is fascinating. So I'm always reluctant to write him off. Speaking of next season, do you guys think Zidane's going to be manager this time next no. year? No. Nope. I think he's going to be politely moved upstairs. At he, the even though he signed a contract extension in the week. Look, Flor- Florentino Perez is, is, is crazy. That, that doesn't mean anything. Even Zidane said that contract thing doesn't mean anything. So, 
part of this 19 points, I mean, we can look at Real Madrid and be like, your way to build demands that you be closest to 19 points. But I think we have to give Barcelona credit, especially Valverde. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I, I can't, I, I can only agree on, on Val, Valverde. I think he's kind of this low key guy that people didn't really know too much about before he came in compared to like the more kind of glamorous names that have been around. And he's just kind of just got to work and got it done, hasn't he? Barcelona have got a structure again. They've got a, a real sense of how they're playing. It's not just individualism, it's individualism wrapped in the system. I, I can't speak highly enough of him. I think he's um, he's everything Barcelona fans wanted, without maybe not without all of them realizing who he is. Sometimes on Zidane, I'm a massive fan of Zidane. Uh, another guy that me and Carl talking a lot about in, in our um, our private DMs. Ooh, I know that. Uh, <laughs> pause, pause, man, pause. Oh, exactly. Some hot Zidane <laughs> chat is what's going down in our DMs. Um, and yeah, I mean, he is what he is. But I honestly think he is the perfect. Real Madrid manager and if they get rid of him they're stupid good times are going to come good times are going to go but like if you want someone to just sit there and have the, the respect and the temperament to manage a dressing room of Galacticos and kind of let them get on with it in a way that is actually quite good when it works they, they're, they're foolish to get anyone else because he, he is Real Madrid in one man like he's it's, it sh- they should actually make it like a historical kind of you know like when you have like listed buildings like it should be like a listed manager like Real Madrid cannot sack Zinedine Zidane. It's just too perfect a combination. He should stay there until he dies. That that should be like both sides should be banned from getting rid of each other. It's that's too good. Right. Yeah. That's that's why I think Carl's right. You can't sack him because he's a club legend. So it either has to be a mutual consent thing, or you just like Carl said, move him up into the boardroom and get a new manager. Like you can't read a headline: Zizou sacked by Madrid. Like yeah. that. Yeah. That, that, that's unbefitting. I think. I'd rather they just gave him like two billion to spend and said, "Oh, let's just win the Champions League again." Just keep doing that. They probably will. <laughs> they probably will win the Champions League this season. So if they win it three times in a row, I think the the competition has to be disbanded. Like hundred no Damn, hundred percent. And that's not even a joke. Hundred percent. Three times. Uh, I remember when Bayern won it in twenty thirteen. They won the treble. People were like, "Yo, this might be the team that does it back to back." Nobody's done it yeah. in the modern Champions League. And it was just like, no, <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> and then they do it twice. And now we're thinking, you know, they're doing so bad in La Liga that this means, obviously, that they're going to get past PSG and then they're going to go on and win the thing. You, If, the, if you three-peat in the supposed hardest competition in the world to win, you got to change the format. you got to – something has to happen. I don't know what. Actually, no, 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 no. Sorry, no. How does club competition – how does competition is still the World Cup? Come on. Let's, let's be real. Club Clubs. cup competition. How about that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's not. The, the World Cup is the hardest competition to win. The, the Euros can we have this argument later? Like, there's like a, there's 150 days to the World Cup. We can argue about this somewhere in the meantime. Oh, and I can't wait. World Cup. Oh my gosh, <laughs> guys, we're actually in the year of the World Cup. My God, ah, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Uh, Sorry, did, did someone just say the Euros are harder to win than the World Cup? I said before the expansion, the Euros are harder to win than the World Cup. Yeah. What? Uh, no, that doesn't make any sense. Denmark won the Euros. Greece won a Euro. So, what are you talking about? Greece? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Greece won the bloody Euros. Man, Carl, please, man. Nah, I mean, nah, nah. Fair, <laughs> England have won a World Cup, so that does go in Carl's favour. But, um, nah, come on. I, I can't. In, I can't. in 1966? Yeah, Africa exactly. boycotted the whole thing. Was, was, was it in England? Yeah. No, the very fact that Real Madrid won this thing back-to-back, and I wanted so many... Three times in four years? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just too much. The World Cup is the zenith. That is the asset test. Messi, please get your medal before you get allowed into the VIP club. 
Okay. Okay. Also, guys, before we move, just one last thing. Um, Iniesta and Zidane. So people were saying sacrilegious things online that Iniesta has easily surpassed Zidane. I need you guys to please quickly respond to that before we move on. It's like Messi and Ronaldo all over again, but in midfield. So Iniesta is more present for our 90 minutes. Zidane's moments are just artistic brilliance, but he's pretty quiet for a full 90 minutes. So it depends what you're into. What Greg said. Um, Zidane is better than... Z- no, sorry, sorry, yeah, Zidane is better than Iniesta, full stop. That's that's my take. I'm not, I'm not involved. <laughs> oh damn! Don't be. I'm I'm on the fence on this one. Okay, guys. Uh, this happened on Tuesday, as big things tend to do, um, which is unfortunate. But the FA decided that there's going to be a Rooney Rule, which means clubs in their hiring process aren't required to hire black people or people of color. Get it right. Just in in the hiring process, you have to interview at least one candidate who is a person of color. Well overdue. Uh, a 2015 study found that in a league that was 25% Black, Asian, or minority ethnic, there was only 3% uh, representation of minorities in upper management and coaching. Um, the study found that it would take 30 years in the current hiring process for there to be equality in senior management. And I think the Rooney Rule can go some way to remedying that. So when the Rooney Rule is, so the Rooney Rule, Named after Dan Rooney, who was the former owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers in NFL, when that was put in, that was put into place in 2003. Within three seasons, uh, hiring of African Americans in NFL teams went from eight percent to twenty-two percent, uh, and that was in a league that was, I believe, at the time around about seventy percent white. So uh, the arguments you hear against it is, oh, you're just hiring black people who aren't qualified for the job. Like the Rooney Rule doesn't do that. What the Rooney Rule does is make sure you go out to find someone who is qualified for that job, who is also a minority, and then you interview them. You don't give them the job, you just interview them. So the really good example I give, well, the most recent example I give you would be the uh, Stoke job. So Stoke sacked Mark Hughes and they need to go find a replacement. They looked at Martin O'Neill. They looked at, um, that's the only person I know they looked for. To use the example of what Stoke would have done is they want to look at Martin O'Neill, perhaps they want to look at Gary Monk, perhaps they want to look at Marco Silva. The Rooney Rule meant they would have at least had to pick up the phone and called up Chris Hutton. That's it. Doesn't mean anything else. Just means you have to call up Chris Hutton and go, hello, Chris, would you be interested? Would you like to have a chat? And then Chris can talk to Brighton and go, blah, 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 and do that. Uh, that's what it does. It just means you have an interview. You just get your 15 minutes in front of the boardroom and do whatever. It's particularly interesting in football because unlike sports like NFL, where there's generally a long list, uh, football is still very insular, insular hiring process. So very often if a manager is sacked, they normally have two or three people lined up already. Um, so a really good example of this was when Pardew was sacked as Crystal Palace manager. We all knew Big Sam was going to become manager very, very soon. If you were doing the renewal thing, they probably would have had to call up Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank for an interview. Um, it does not guarantee minority people get a job. It does not mean minority people get a job ahead of their own capabilities. It just means you have to put in an extra two to three days worth of effort to try and find someone. It's not a black person taking your job. It's a black person getting a phone call to talk about a job, which I think is very good. And I think it's something that should be encouraged in all sports and all businesses. 
And not only should there be a Rooney rule talking to minorities, but there should also be a Rooney rule to talk to women for hiring in all businesses as well. And I think this is especially important where you look at other hirings in football. So right now, I think I'm seeing uh, Philip Neville is being considered for the England women's job, which is remarkable because what experience does he have in that field? Next to none, as far as I'm concerned. And Ryan Giggs is now the Wales manager. After how many games did he play for Wales when he was a player? Not enough. And how many games did he manage as Man United? And he still lost one of them? Like, <laughs> as I said before, always remember when when the Swansea job was available, Swansea talked to Rob Bradley and went, what are you going to do? And Rob Bradley gave them a very detailed dossier about how he'd improve the club and how he uh, set up the team to play against Arsenal. And then when they asked Ryan Giggs, Ryan Giggs just said, I managed Man United and I know what it takes to win games and I will tell the Swansea players to run harder. Ryan Giggs is not a good coach. And the Rooney rule stops stuff from that happening because it means you have to go talk to other people. I'm guaranteed if you talk to a black person, a black senior coach for the Swansea job, he would have a better answer to how would you make Swansea play better than I would tell them to run harder. There's, there's a bit of an awkward thing on, on this one, though, in that Ryan Giggs is, is, is mixed race. You said earlier with Chris Hewton as well, it would be a massive missed opportunity if um, if the, the situation in, in in actual usage was that just one guy became that guy. You know what I mean? If if, if it just meant that they just got some guy in just, just to as a, as a token gesture. So like you said, if every Premier League club just decided to just speak to Chris Hewton every time, would never give Chris Hewton the job. That would be such a massive shame. Yes. Mm. It's not a perfect fix. It's the beginning of a fix. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. I just thought it's, a worth, it's worth bringing up, really. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. no. I, th- I think for, 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 for Greg, that is exactly what I think will happen. Because from what Carl was saying, football is very insular. You know, mm. it's very much like a thingy boys club. And there are a lot of chairmen saying, oh, what the hell? So they'll be like, all right, fine, then we'll play your game. Let's just pick our token guy. Pick up the phone. Oh, do you want the job? Oh, let's hear a thing. Okay, phone down. Because they know that before they've even picked up the phone, I'm giving that guy that, that job. Let me just tick that box and let me get my boy that I know who's going to be the manager. Just to build on to what you're saying there, I, I was at a, a, a conference by Kick Out last year um, and Greg uh, Greg Clark, uh, chairman of the FA, actually spoke on the Rooney Rule um, and there's a lot of debate around it. And, and he, he literally said, um, I think I even headlined my piece for it on Squawker, uh, black managers lose out on jobs due to all white networks. He agrees with the Rooney rule, but the bigger problem we've got is there's no Rooney rule for club owners and chairman. That's the bigger issue because there's a bit where he says that um, he asked them to all say, do you have any black friends? And none of them could say yes. Um, and so the problem is when you're looking for a new manager, you ask your mates. Ultimately, the reason why certain managers are always in for jobs is they have a lot of mates at football. The reason why black managers are never in these conversations is because they don't move in those circles. And so as much as the Rooney rule is a great move for management, we need to look bigger. We need to look further. We need to somehow find a way of getting more representation on boards because that's how it will really change. This is why I hate the meritocracy argument. People always say, well, if black coaches were good enough, they'd get the job. Well, yeah. nobody knows if they're good enough because no, because they're not in those circles. That's the, that's the problem. And, and, that's and, and is the problem. And everyone always yeah. says, well, obviously, European continental coaches or however I'm trying to say white people, obviously they're better because... They get the jobs. It's like they they have access to the job. It doesn't make them better. It just means that they can get it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I also like case in point as well. I, I even use my own country. After Nigeria won the '94 Nations Cup, several remember the Nations Cup is every two years. 
we had white coach after white coach after white coach. A few Nigerians here, but a white coach here for a few years. But then we then got a guy, Stephen Keshi, who came in. Th th what he did with that young Nigerian team was the best coaching job I'd seen anybody do since back in the mid-90s. And also, I think I was even watching, there was a documentary that I was watching in England where they were just interviewing some um, managers and just some, some people about why aren't there enough black managers or black coaches. And there was this, this one white guy said that he just doesn't feel like if black the black people have the kind of mental capacity to understand the um, complexity and the new and the nuances of management. So there are probably a lot of chairmen and a lot of people saying that, yeah, they can play the game. Can they really manage and coach? Nah, let them just play. But as far as managing and coaching, I don't think that's their thing, really. And you'll be surprised how many people actually have that kind of thinking. That's slave mentality. It's you're good enough mm. to do our work, but we're not going to give you any power. Which it's what they said about the players in the seventies and even before that as well. Is in oh yeah that they're which we still get the language now. Oh, they're fast, they're powerful, but you know they're, they're emotional or they're <laughs> stupid or something yeah. like that. Um, which I mean, maybe this is a good point to bring up uh, Cyril Regis because he was obviously yes, 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 Greg, yes, you yes, are a yes. Good host, you great, great, great segue, great segue. <laughs> Perfectly played. Uh, yeah, we can bring up Cyril Regis at this point. I mean, I was watching. Uh, this might have been a month ago. I was watching a documentary about what they called the Three Degrees. Right. Mm. So they were three black players at West Bromwich Albion. In, in the nineteen late 1970s, early 80s, um, it was Laurie Cunningham, Cyril Regis, and Brendan Batson. Um, and yeah, and I was watching the documentary. And I think the person who coined the term was somebody named Atkinson. And I looked this guy yeah. up, and he has his own checkered past. We, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we cannot alter what he said about Desai. We, we can't yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He called Marcel Desai... Uh, the N-word, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. But at the same time, he did do something progressive in that way, where it wasn't common for like three star black athletes to be on one team. And they mm. were... And you, and, and I was reading uh, just today, um, because he passed away, unfortunately. I think he was 59 years old, uh, which is far too young for anybody. But mm. um, a lot of black people in England who don't even live in West Brom or aren't or wherever they are in the Midlands, wherever they are. Like, they're West Brom fans because that team had three black players in it. And I was like, that's kind of crazy. I was I was thinking about Regis. Does being a trailblazer take away from, from your life? In that, I, I, and I can relate this to Jackie Robinson kind of in an American context where my, my, my theory when I think about trailblazers, especially people who are black and they die young and it's like natural causes, like you aren't shot or in a car accident or anything like that. Just being a trailblazer, like, take away from, from your life expectancy in a way. Like, you have to eat all the stress and you can't really react to people being racist towards you. Because if you do, then you just play back into the stereotype of, oh, they're angry, they're this, they're that. And then you find, like, when you get in the late 50s, 60s, when at least these days most people are, you know, living healthily, these people are dying. I'm like, is that what racism does to you? It couldn't have been easy to be one of those first prominent uh, black players in the late 70s, early 80s. It wasn't easy. If you listen to the stories about the three degrees, in what I recommend reads this week, it, we're going to share uh, an extract of, uh, of the book on the three degrees. Uh, and I recommend, if you can, you can hunt down the Agent Childs documentary about the three degrees. 
which wasn't a particularly great documentary because Adrian Charles didn't seem to understand racism as a thing, but it's a good, <laughs> it's a good introduction. Uh, so there's a great uh, moment where they describe um, being sent a bullet in the post, being told, don't play for West Brom. Lazy effing monkey. This. Uh, Laurie Cunningham uh, especially came under particular scrutiny because he was engaged to a white woman at the time. And there's a really good segment of when he's walking down the road with his fiance and two gentlemen down the street see him and they try and start a fight. One of them swings at Laurie. Laurie counters, throws the guy to the ground. The guy picks himself up and is about to swing back and goes, oh my God, you're Laurie Cunningham. And then like dusts himself and is like, oh my God, sorry, you're like amazing for West Brom, big massive fan, uh, which is essentially the, the dichotomy of what you do when you're a, a notable black figure that you can be hated one second and then they realize you're famous and they'll love and adore you. It's like how uh, certain uh, members of football Twitter can say Muslims are terrible and their avi will be of Mesut Ozil or when boxing fans say Anthony Joshua is disgraceful for going to a mosque but don't seem to quite realize what Muhammad Ali was. Um, so the three degrees, amazing trailblazers. Cyril uh, Regis is there's a great story of when they go to play against Chelsea and, you know, Chelsea's checkered racial history, shall we say, means their fans have had some particular incidents. Uh, so it's West Brom, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and the Chelsea fans have given it. They've given it to Cyril. Cyril turns, scores a fantastic goal and they were going, you're effing this, you're effing that, you're effing this. And then apparently one Chelsea fan went to another and goes, tell you what, he's a fucking good nigger, ain't he? Wow. So yeah, rest in power, Cyril Regis. You made the world a better place. And if you look at the photos of him, you look fucking really cool and you did as well. So <laughs> <laughs> Just on how good a football he was, there was an interesting thing. Um, apparently in Coy's um, biography that was released, I think just after his death, he actually picked out Cyril Regis as his um, third choice to replace Van Basten. Wow. Which obviously, the deal didn't happen, but if you want a testament to the guy's ability for people that haven't seen him, that's a pretty damn, damn great thing to be uh, to be said about someone. It's just amazing just hearing, because again, when I was just going through Twitter, because again, I didn't, I heard the name, but I didn't really know of the story. So when I just went online looking at articles, like, yeah, man, wow, as in like, just because again, at that time, it was because, because I mean, you still see a bit of racial stuff, and that's why I have my issues with. Chelsea and that is why I had to sort of say wait a minute can I really support Chelsea because again when I just heard what Carl just said right now where Chelsea are known for their racial history these guys are known as they are one of the most racist fans out there when you just hear about the kind of stuff that they were that they, they could have done to Regis back in those times during the 70s and 80s when it was hot as in bloody like banana skins and all those kinds so it's just like to think of the amount of pressure this guy had to deal with and to the point that Dan was even making, where I don't, I wouldn't attribute um, the issues he had with his heart attack, but I would say that it does take something out of your life. You're not allowed to enjoy life as much as a white football player because you've got to play football, but you've also got to deal with this, and you've also got to sort of be so like a figurehead in some kind of way. And even after you retire. Even when guys are relating to you and how they interview you, it is always linked into you being a trailblazer, being that, and it can wear you down because you have to be this thing. So yeah, um, and also like it, it kind of goes back to that story Carl told, like 
are the people who you're interacting with on a day-to-day basis, are they interacting with you because they like you? Like really genuinely or just because of who you are? And like once you can determine that some people are fake in that way, how can you interact with people the same way if you know the only reason they they, they like you is because what you do as a footballer, not because of who you are as a person? Like I, I don't know how I would be able to react to that or live my life that way necessarily. Like, yo, you hate me because I'm black, but then once you find out who I am, then you're okay with me. That's crazy. And, and, and like, I'm, I'm sure crazy. that person tells a story like, yo, me and my friend saw Laurie Cunningham with a white woman and then we punched him and then he bloodied my nose. It was like the greatest day of my life or something like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have to deal with your racism while you His get to tell a fun story. Says the exact thing. That is the exact way she tells the story. She goes, this happened. And, he, and then she went, it's weird because he's probably going to go home and go to the pub and say, I met Laurie Cunningham today. Um, and then leave yeah. out the part where you called him whatever you called him and like attack like racism and then you have to live and then you like you it's it's not well i guess laurie cunningham went to spain which makes sense or maybe it doesn't turn into the conversation um apparently sol campbell's come out and said something quite negative about gigs and murders after getting jobs straight out of being players today um and then a really a really good guy that everyone should follow actually this guy called simon austin former um bbc now he runs a uh, website called training ground guru which is fantastic it's like an update a, a place with loads of great updates on on coaches, what they're doing, who's scouting who, and all that kind of stuff. Like, really kind of technical stuff. Um, his tweet said, I raised an eyebrow at Sol Campbell's comments today. Then you realize he has a UEFA Pro license. He has been assistant for Trinidad and Tobago and says he'll start coaching at A level. Meanwhile, we see Murtaza could get the Arsenal Academy job with zero experience. Gigs get the Wales job. I, I'm just thinking, like, to me, Sol Campbell is like a guy that people now laugh at a bit. He's seen as like kind of um, this ridiculous figure, but he's got a, he's got a point, and maybe. If he was, if he was Tony Adams making crazy comments, people probably don't laugh at him as much. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to unwrap, really, isn't it? I think it goes it's... back to, and I want just, just quickly, Carl. I think it goes back to the relationship thing, because how many jobs was Giggs being thrown? But he gets mm. the Wales job because he's Welsh. How many jobs was Murtisaka being thrown in a coaching, in a coaching capacity? But because he's at Arsenal and he's, the, he's been the Arsenal captain for however long, or vice captain for however long. He gets that link because he has the connection. Soul Campbell mm-hmm. probably just doesn't have those those connections in the game in that way. Brian Giggs should not even be interviewed for the Welsh job. He shouldn't be interviewed for any job. What experience has he got? One season as an assistant manager for Lee Van Gaal and four games as a manager. Apparently, Wales also um, interviewed Craig Bellamy. So it's not like Wales are actually looking for managerial experience. I think Craig Bellamy hasn't exactly done much in the way of coaching himself. Yeah. Well, 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 Wills are, are, are screwed then. <laughs> you know, maybe because to go from Chris Coleman to bloody run gigs, that is a huge step down. Do you know what I think mm. this is in, in a way, though? At least we're, we're going to do this. I think it's Zidane, man. I just think people are seeing Zidane like, yo, he coached the Castilla and almost got them relegated or got them relegated, but then went to the, the Real Madrid senior team and won two Champions Leagues. I think they're just saying, like, yo, if if, if we have a, a celebrity of the club and in in kind of the way that Greg was saying, just a, a historical oh, monument that we Real Madrid and there. Wales, Real Madrid and Wales. Come I mean, there's, obviously there are levels, but <laughs> levels, <laughs> serious levels. But I, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe that could be their mentality that we put our most famous player um, ever, even though he's not qualified, as Carl says, and maybe he can get the best of these players, or maybe they'll play for him, or whatever the think it is I don't no, know. no 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 because like the real madrid zidane thing it works because remember he was an assistant to ancelotti so he really understood the way that they, oh, they was an assistant to ancelotti. didn't make him a good manager did he 
he did save Swansea, to be fair. No, 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 no. But, but my thing was that something like Real Madrid, where you have amazing individuals, the right guy to get is a Zidane. Not a Benitez, it's a Zidane. Somebody who can demand respect and find a way to really connect with them on a human um, psychological level so they can just play to the best of their abilities as individuals. And La Liga and two Champions Leagues. There you go. But anyway, we, we, we slightly strayed from the point. Point being, Sol Campbell probably isn't getting jobs because black people don't have those connections. Even though you would think someone like Sol Campbell... Well, then again, he did burn that bridge, didn't he? He has also got a checkered history of saying some very daft things and other things. But then, yeah, no, no, yeah. He's, 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 he's burned anyway, a few bridges. Uh, yeah. let's, and we, let's, we, let's I feel as if we've lost over eight games in the Premier League. Should we just get straight into questions? <laughs> I mean, we, we don't have any questions left. I mean, I, I put them all in. So All right. Uh, I'm going to do just a very quick look at the weekend results and just yell any conclusions you want to make. Uh, Chelsea, no, less than no. Dead performance. <laughs> Dead. That is going to be a decision. Look, we, I don't know what happened between them. I don't know what beef they had, what argument they had. That is the one decision that's killed Conte's Chelsea. Right. Diego Costa. Right. Uh, Huddersfield, one, West Ham, four. Moyes. Aaron Altovic. Oh. oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to keep making noises because he's that good. Like, when you've got a six foot four dribbly winger attacker striker guy, on paper, he sounds like the most unstoppable player in the world. And when he's actually on it, like, oh. West Ham fan and Mundial associate edit, editor Sam Disk described Anatovic as store brand uh, Ibrahimovic. Uh, Ibrahimovic, if he could run. There you go. Yeah. Newcastle won, Swansea won. Trash, why would you watch it? Next. Watford 2, Southampton 2. VAR, VAR. Uh, West Brom 2, Brighton 0. Brighton, Beaches. <laughs> and Tottenham, Tottenham 4, Everton 0. Harry Kane is nice. Uh, but how I nice still? How nice? Son, uh, incredible. Spurs fan Billy McFarlane said Son is probably the be- would have probably been the best pre-moderate era Spurs player. You could take Son... Human song and put him in any Spurs team before Modric came to the club, and he would have been the best player on that side. I think maybe if you put that as a, if you start at the, the beginning of the Premier League in 1992, older yeah. fans would definitely say Gaza and, and um, yeah, and um, what's his face, uh, Hoddle, Ginola, Ginola. Yeah, I think if you start in 92 and you go up until um, you go up until when Modric came there, I think the best yeah. players of that era is maybe you'd probably have Son and then maybe David Ginola. Like just the amount of like individual trickery from Spurs when they got the ball, like Son doing those like pivots and like Delhi with the back heels. I haven't seen a team that full of just individual moments of flair since Moonstein at Man United. Because Moonstein's thing was technical drills. Like he was all about doing like this curve training thing where you emphasize basically learning how to do all the best moves with the greats so that you watch video over and over and you do all these things. I haven't seen another team that just, just really casually pull that stuff off just like it's nothing. Like Spurs just do it all the time and it's like no one picks up on it, but like. Even on the counter, they'll just pull up these little moves like it's nothing. I'm just like, that's incredible. I love that. That's great to watch. I want more of that. They're just, they're just, they're silly good when they're good. They can do some really good, I want to say like a curved through ball. So you very often see it where it'll be Son, Ali, or Kane, and they'll be running down one of the wide channels. And this is more than a counter attack. Mm. And they've got, you know, another member of that four running down the middle, and that they'll, generally be a center, a defender in between the two players. So if you can imagine Kane's out wide, there's a center back maybe on the edge, the left edge of the left-hand side of the penalty area. 
and then you've got Deli Ali or whatever by the penalty spot. And they have the Spurs players have an incredible ability to whip the ball at a really sharp angle through ball to get to that penalty area. So they do so many great one touch finish counter attacks mm. where the final shot isn't a dribble dribble. It's just there, there's the ball on the plate, bang. I'm disgusted yeah. with you, Carl. You're talking tactics. <laughs> That's the Saturday's fixtures. Uh, and the only other fixture that was played on a Sunday involved oh. someone called uh, Wenger. So I don't want to talk about that. Nope. So, <laughs> no, no, no. no. He's... <laughs> yep. How long until the plane banners come back? That's all I want to know. <laughs> soon. Greg, soon. Greg, don't, don't bring us into this conversation. Don't. Please, uh, don't. <laughs> Uh yeah, all right. So closing segments. Have hope. Brick Academy update. Has anyone entered? Has anyone been taken out? This is gonna. No, be no. Great. I mean, no. Actually, well, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. If Alexis Sanchez officially joins United, um, I'm, I'm gonna put Arsenal in in Class C. The whole club. Yep. They made it out after the Bayern Munich thing. They're currently under review. They're currently under review. <laughs> so, so if Sanchez completes his deal. I'm putting them into. I'm inducting them into Class C. Fair enough. Uh, Carl, recommended reads. Recommended reads. Uh, on the three degrees. It's an old uh, section of a book that came out in 2014. But I think, uh, in light of Sue Reed, this is passing. I think that's a great read. Um, I think uh, the Ringer had a really. There was a really good post in the Ringer on Friday, which looked at expected goals and how Raheem Sterling essentially breaks the model. So it basically says XG is not a great stat because it has problems ranking which player is doing the shot. And then it applied another, this article applied another statistical model on which player is taking shots. And it made some really interesting things. Essentially, a player like Bernadici is doubling his XG through the amount of shots he's taking, whereas someone like Cavani is slightly lowering his. Messi is doing far above XG because it's Messi, as is Harry Kane, as is Higuain, interestingly. This um, is why I don't rate Harry Kane as a world-class striker after reading that article. You know how many shots Harry Kane takes? If he went to a club where he didn't get as much service, how many goals is he really scoring? you guys think he's that clinical? Which is why Icardi is so good. Icardi is excellent. I'm really starting to believe that the amount of shots taken should be included in all these goal tallies. Yeah. 100%. 100%. This is, this is why I very much recommend this. Uh, basically, Harry Kane takes a lot of shots. He also puts away a very good amount of them, whereas Salah last season took a lot of shots and finished an okay amount of them, uh, which is quite similar to Cavani, which is why uh, you find Cavani... This is why, you know, we will find Cavani very frustrating because it looks as if you should get a hat-trick every single game, where instead he gets one. Um, so I recommend that. I think that's it. There's, there might be a good read <laughs> on Christian Pulisic on The Guardian, but... Oh, Honigstein really, did a great interview with him. Go read the Pulisic uh, interview where he basically says, I'm not the messiah that the United States thinks I am. I'm a teenager. Please chill out. So, Is there anything on football.london that we should be reading at the moment? Oh, wow. I mean, our Arsenal guy is all over the like, Sanchez stuff. You should totally go check out. Um, basically, I, I must admit, the transfer window is open. We we are pretty much focused on the transfer window because everybody does when this happens. But we've got our guys who they know their clubs, they they know what's coming and going. They've got some really interesting coverage of it all happening. Um, they're at every game, they're at every press conference, they're all over it. So yeah, do check us out if you if you are if you want to know about it, but you don't want to know about Arsenal or West Ham, whatever it. There are club specific um, accounts as well if you want to go on Twitter and look at that as well. 
Um, but I'll leave that for you all to, to find by just typing our name in and seeing what comes up. There's loads. Cool. Uh, heroes and villains. It's kind of my segment. Uh, you know what? I'm going to see it to Greg. Do you have any heroes and villains of the week? I know I'm springing this on you, but does anybody Ooh. come to mind as a hero of the week and a villain of the week? I, I mean, I guess the villain of the week's kind of Sergio Aguero in a way, and I like Sergio Aguero, so I feel bad saying that. But it wasn't just it wasn't just the offside header at the end. There was two more um, moments where he really could have um, put another goal in and, and sent City all the way. So I think from a City perspective, he's probably a villain. Um, as is maybe Otamendi as well. He had some absolute moments of madness, um, <laughs> which everyone thought he got over, but clearly not. And he was, yeah, he. He was hot and flustered at the back of City. It was exactly what they didn't need. I'm trying to think of my hero. Like I, I agree, maybe Aguero. That's a good choice for a villain. Maybe Suarez. The goal he scored was when he opened his body up and mm. his top corner. I mean, it wasn't last season when people were questioning, like, where's Suarez go? Like he's back. So maybe that he could be a hero. But then I really don't like him as a person. So <laughs> I really want to give him that distinguished title. Eh. Suarez. You call me anti-hero of the week. Anti-hero of the week. I like it. Good idea. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if anybody else has anything, you guys can shout out your heroes and villains of the week. If not, we can get out of here. Hero of the week, Valverde. I think it's the first time Barcelona have beaten Real Sociedad as, is it Anothia in like 20, 30 years or something? I know it's where the hell do Real Sociedad place. It's Anothia, Akothia. Basically, it begins with A. And they've, they've not won in about like 40 years since like the, the, the Middle Ages. So Valverde is that dude. And the villain of the week is Cristiano because he missed a, a point blank um, chance. And I'm happy because when Cristiano is crap, I'm happy. So uh, Hero of the week, Andrew Robertson. Because he's just seemed to have figured out, solved the left back problem for Liverpool. I think it was superb shackling Sterling and just, yeah, I think. I really enjoy it when a club has a problem and then quietly solve it without anyone noticing. Uh, and the villain of the week, as ever, is Half Hope. <laughs> Whoa, wait, 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 why, wait, why am I the villain of the week? You know what you read, did. Read, read the WhatsApp. <laughs> Look, I, I, I still stand by my <laughs> no, no, messages. No, 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 keep it, keep it, man. People okay, just have fine. to wonder what the hell is in our WhatsApp group. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the Talking Tactics Podcast. Greg, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate oh, thanks it. Thanks for having me. Tell the people once more where, where uh, we can find you on Twitter or on social media. And, uh, on Twitter, I'm on Greg Ian Johnson on Facebook. I think on Greg Johnson Football, actually. So that's 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 a correction from earlier. Um, and you can search for football.london. But that's, that is literally the URL. It's not football.london.com. It's just football.london. Type it into Google or whatever you want. You'll get there. Um, on Twitter, that's football underscore LDN. And you'll find all the accounts on Facebook as well. Yeah, so all of Greg's details will be linked in the description of this podcast, as will football.london. So check that website out. It's really dope. Uh, Carl, where can the people find you? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Anchorman616. I might possibly have an article on Versus coming up about the Rooney rule. And if the Alexis Sanchez rule deal goes through, I will possibly have an article coming up about that as well. So have fun. Hope. Um, have a football hot all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm at Dan. So look, we are the Talking Tactics Podcast. We do this every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, like us on SoundCloud. Uh, I don't, how are we going to do this? We're four people. 
let Greg do the sign-off, and I'll say later. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go, before we go, I'm just reading this. I don't know how true this is. Chelsea have had an offer of £40 million accepted by Arsenal for Alexis Sanchez. Where are you reading this source? Um, just some 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 tweets. So I, oh, I don't know how fruitful it is. Easy, easy, man. Don't 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 hiss at me. Don't kiss your teeth at me. <laughs> Talking to this podcast sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. Later, humanoids. Peace. Podcast Network.